Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm really excited to introduce you to Holly Gerth. Holly is the author of many books and I'm going to have her share a little bit more about all of her writing and speaking and everything that she does in just a minute. The latest book that she has written is called The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, Why the World Needs You to Be You. And uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I've already shared a little bit about this book and some of you have already pre-ordered, which I'm really excited about. That's actually a really big deal for authors. And Holly will tell us a little bit more about when you pre-order, other bonuses and fun things you can get with that as well. Um, But I have to say, even if you are not an introvert or you wouldn't classify yourself as an introvert, I actually think this book would be really helpful for you to understand the introverts that are in your world, um, understanding how they operate. And so I'm really excited just to dive deep into this conversation with Holly. Uh, This book is so rich, so dense, and I know she's got a lot to share. So Holly, welcome to the show and tell me a little bit more about yourself. Thank you for having me. Well, let's see, I am obviously an author. I'm also a mom and I came about that in kind of a crazy way. We adopted our daughter when she was in her twenties. We couldn't have kiddos of her own. So that means she has been married for seven years now and also has two little kiddos. So I get to be a Nana, a young Nana. (laughs) So that's what life looks like right now. Um, I'll be married to my husband, Mark, for 20 years pretty soon. And yeah, and my grandparents had a little Christian bookstore when I was growing up. So I was that little girl with the big stack of books dreaming of being a writer one day. And it's really fun that that has come true. And when I told my mom I was writing this book, she said, of course you are. In fourth grade, you did your science project on birth order (laughs) and came up with this assessment and analyzed all your friends. (laughs) So she's like, yep, this has been a long time coming. I love even just that statement that there is this sense to which like you are who you are, who you are. And if you look back at these little snapshots of you know, memories of who you were as a kid, it really shows how that like, it shows who you are right now. And so I think about that with my kids kind of observing them. And one of the comments that you make um, in the book is that really it isn't necessarily that introverts don't like people or that they're necessarily shy or other things like that. Um, but it's just sort of in some ways part of how we recharge. I think about my nine-year-old who is social, loves her friends at school. When she comes home, she loves to go into her room and play Lego yeah. by herself. And I've always seen that as this, um, just this neat, like I love how kids don't make excuses for their needs. Yeah, so true. Do what they need to do. Uh, to help themselves. And so I've really been learning how to give myself permission by observing my kids. Um, One thing I did want to quickly mention, you did talk about how you uh, became a mom. And do you write about that in one of your books? 
I wrote about it in Fierce Hearted, my okay. book that released before this one. So okay. I shared some of that story. It was earlier on in the story, but it's in there. And then I occasionally give updates on my blog and social media about our family. Awesome. Well, it is such a cool story. And so this book that I just read of yours is the first one that I've read of yours. So I'm excited to go get that one. And um, I've heard snippets of the story, which I think is such a um, powerful God story in your life. And um, so if people are interested in learning more, they can also pick up Fierce Hearted. Yeah. So I want to dive right in. Some people are listening and they are saying, hey, I don't actually know if I'm an introvert or an extrovert. What would you say to those people? How can they begin to figure that out? I would say one fun little tool is I have a one minute quiz on my site called what percent introvert are you? And so they could pop over to hollygrip.com and take that. So that's one option. But as far as just a general description, I would say that introverts and extroverts are different based on our brains and our nervous systems. Like you said, it's not about how much we like people. It's about how we engage with our external environment. So anything coming at us from the outside. So if you are someone who is at your best when you are able to fully focus on your inner world, your people, one or few, or a project, then that's a sign you're an introvert. If you need time to process before you respond, then you're likely to be an introvert. If you prefer to work and be in quieter environments where you can, like I said, more fully focus, you're likely to be an introvert. And if you are someone who would rather go deep with a few people than have a wide network of acquaintances, you're likely to be an introvert. And so those are a few of the signs that you might be. And again, it's just about how we process and not about how much we like people. Yeah. I like there was a line you said in the book that we're not necessarily slow processors, but deep processors. Yes. And I was like, oh, I can totally relate to that. Um, another thing I love about your book is that you have a lot of um, graphs and charts and things that make it really easy to understand. Um, and I, I actually began to look at introversion and extroversion in a different way reading this book. Um, I had always been classifying myself as an ambivert which you kind of debunk that myth um, in the book, but you have this spectrum, this graph that goes from the, the left to the right, you know, introvert on one side, extrovert on the other side, and that you can really chart yourself and you can do this as well in the book. Um, you can chart yourself on this graph. And you, so you could basically find out and for myself, I think I'm just an introvert that is closer to the extrovert spectrum. So a little bit closer to the middle. Um, so for some people who are thinking, I think I'm an ambivert, that could be the case for them, um, finding their way somewhere along that scale. Um, the other thing you said that I've heard lots of people share this sentiment is that everyone moves toward introversion as they age. Yes. So Which is yeah. fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, we all have a spot on that continuum yeah. and it can all change over a lifetime, but we do move more toward the introvert end. But like you were saying, after looking at all the research and science and that we really are wired this way from the time we're babies, I, yeah, I've come to not believe so much in ambiverts. I often find people who are ambiverts are introverts who have misunderstood what it actually means to be an introvert. Yeah. 
So being an introvert or extrovert is kind of like being right or left-handed. So we use both hands all day long, you know, and we can do that really well, but there's certain situations or tasks where we naturally lean more toward one hand. And that's what being an introvert or extrovert is like. Yeah, that's a really good way to think about it. Uh, is there anything else you would say? Because um, when you talk about that, like it's not a choice, but it's that wiring. So what else could you share with us about the way introverts and extroverts are wired differently? Yeah, so there's three main differences. We differ in the primary neurotransmitters we use, which is a brain chemical. So extroverts rely more on dopamine, which acts kind of like caffeine. It revs you up, prepares you for action. And introverts naturally have a level of dopamine that feels pretty good to them. So we don't need to go out and get more. Extroverts need more dopamine. That, that network is more active than them. So that's why they're going out and why they love all those things that are external activities. They are getting that dopamine to the level that feels best. Introverts feel their best when they're doing activities that release acetylcholine, which I see is more like herbal tea. It's what's calming, relaxing. It's released when we turn inward, when we have a meaningful conversation with one person, when we can do work that's highly engaging. And so we're more drawn to that. And a similar dynamic happens with our two divisions of the nervous system, parasympathetic and sympathetic. Introverts and extroverts rely on those different divisions. And then the third thing is our brain pathways. Extroverts use a primary brain pathways that is shorter and faster and more focused on the present. Introverts use a longer, more complex brain pathway that takes into account the past, present, and future. So that's why we actually do need a little bit of time to respond or time to reflect and process before we're ready to give an answer. But when we give that answer, it's going to have a lot of context, a lot of depth, a lot of meaning. It's going to be very intentional. And so, like you said in the book, I say introverts aren't slow thinkers, we're deep thinkers. And because of that pathway, we can add a lot to conversations. So I love that because it makes introverts and extroverts a very complementary pairing. You know, when I look at the creation story, there's a lot of complementary pairings, day and night, land and sea, masculine, feminine. I think introvert and extrovert are intentionally designed by God as one of those complementary pairings too. So someone may have been in a, like a meeting at work where an extrovert's like, let's do this thing, you know, and they're ready to take action and go for it, which is a strength of theirs. And then an introvert's likely to say, okay, let's talk about what actually needs to be in place for that to happen. So some processing takes place. Then the extrovert says, all right, let's make a decision. What's, you know, what action are we going to take today? And then the introvert says, okay, let's think through what follow-up we need to make sure this is successful long-term. So you see kind of that back and forth dynamic that can work really well. And of course, all of us can access all these neurotransmitters. We use both brain pathways. We use all the parts of our nervous system. Again, it's just more of that right and left-handed thing where there's one we just go to more naturally first but i've just come to really appreciate that both types have gifts and strengths and potential that our world needs well i love what you shared and i was kind of laughing as you were sharing the meeting example because i've been in those meetings um, especially uh for years i was on a, a planning team that would plan these fundraising banquets and there would be these massive ideas and then i i'd let everybody kind of play them out and sometimes i'd sit back and i go okay 
love yeah. it. But, you know, like kind of go through some of those things. And so I love that you just shared one way in which um, introverts are bringing a strength. And sometimes it's the quiet strength that introverts can feel um, a little bit discouraged by because it can be those extroverted tendencies that um, are louder or get praised or seem to get seen. And so as introverts, we can feel like either there's something wrong with us or we need to change who we are or be louder. Um, and then that's actually really draining for our energy. And it's also really uh, draining for us to be somebody that we're not. And so yeah. one of the things I love through this book is that you, you really are uh, giving people sort of this level of understanding because there's so much research in this book uh, about who we were created to be and the strengths. Um, and then even being able to highlight for people, okay, what would the, what would your sensitivity in this area be? So you have these strengths. And so I love that you highlighted at one point um, a chef that is really sensitive in his palate. Um, and so because of that, he's able to be a really world-class chef or an athlete that is sensitive in a certain area that's able to really excel. And so, um, you know, sensitivity often has a negative connotation. And so there is, we were chatting before, about this idea of being a highly sensitive person. And I think you call it being a highly perceptive person. And it's often being an introvert, um, we can experience stimulation a little bit differently. And so sometimes it's, we'll talk about how we can learn our boundaries and, and that those are, it's healthy to know what those are, your, your done point, but also how to um, look at some of the things we may have thought are a weakness as a strength. And so how have you seen that show up in your life? Things you thought maybe were a weakness that actually turned out to be a strength. Yeah. Well, one big thing is introverts do tend to have more sensitive nervous systems. So that means we're observant. We pay attention to details. We catch what other people miss. I'd say it's like our nervous system is a net with very tiny holes, which means we catch everything. It also means we reach our done point because our net gets full. You know, we've all experienced that and everyone reaches their done point eventually, but introverts can get there faster because of that. And that's not a negative. It just means they've taken in more. And so one vulnerability of that kind of nervous system is that introverts are more likely to struggle with anxiety, which makes sense if you think, you know, that we're catching everything. And that's part of my story. I've struggled with anxiety since I was a little eight-year-old kiddo, you know, and that had all these tests done on me and they finally just said stress, which, you know, looking back now, I'm like, it was anxiety. And I used to say, okay, God, I want to get rid of that part of me completely. Like just take it out, you know, let me be done with it. And when I practiced as a counselor, I often had clients who said the same thing. And I realized though, that on the other side of that anxiety was a strength of mine, which was deep empathy. And so I began seeing my, again, a, a continuum, I guess I think in continuums a lot, but on a continuum, on the left side would be anxiety, and that would be a struggle. On the right side would be empathy, and that would be a strength or a superpower. And so I learned that where growth and transformation happen is not by saying, I'm going to get rid of this part of who I am that's in the middle. It's that I'm going to move away from my struggles and toward my strengths. And so I love that because 
I think that we are designed intentionally by God for his purpose for our lives. And so he's not interested into turning, in turning us into someone else. He's interested in empowering us to become all he created us to be. You know, and it's not about elimination. It's about transformation. And so that's what I encourage everyone, introvert and extrovert, to say, yes, that's a struggle. But what's the flip side of it? That might actually be a strength. And how can you take one small step toward that strength today? I love that. Well, I had this moment. Um, I haven't always had the hopes and dreams of being a writer or speaker, anything like that. It was really through this powerful um, encounter with God that everything uh, got flipped right side up a few years ago. Um, and when God started um, asking me to start writing things and and I began to realize that it really was my sensitivity to the world around me and that I was aware of so many things that I was able to speak in a way that people related to, understand things that I was just paying a lot of attention to. And so um, I began to see that as a superpower. And uh, you know, the flip side of it, and like you've said, we'll take in so much and you can have empathy for so many people and stories. How have you learned to um, manage yourself in that way? Like how have you learned sort of boundaries or things to not get overtaxed, overstimulated? Yeah, that's a great question. And when I first started publishing about a decade ago, I also launched a site that took off called Encourage. And I started getting all these speaking invitations. And I thought, this is just what I have to do. You know, this is part of the deal. And I just said yes to everything. And I did that for a few years. And I remember one year I did 20 trips and I got to the last conference and I was the keynote on Saturday night and in Sunday morning worship, I could not stop crying. Wow. And I felt like God was saying, go home. And I knew he meant like, get on the plane and go home and take a long nap. But he was also saying, Holly, go home to who I created you to be. Like just because someone is asking you to do something doesn't mean I'm requiring that of you. And so that is when I got really serious about figuring out what it actually meant to be an introvert, looking into how I was wired, the strengths and the vulnerabilities. And then out of that, I could come up with strategies. You know, I did start speaking less, which was a big thing, learning to say no and be more intentional about what actually fit who I was. But also having strategies in place, like knowing I would need a rest day before and after if I did choose to go somewhere. Yeah. And just learning to honor my capacity and know that who I am is enough for God's plans for my life. It may not be enough for every other person on the planet's plans for my life, but it is enough for what matters most. And so I went to counseling. I, you know, developed a supportive circle around me, did a lot of research, took some time off, just a lot of different things to figure out what does my body need? What does my heart need? What does my spirit need to be able to fulfill this calling without it just wearing me out? But a big part of it was realizing it is absolutely okay that I'm an introvert and that I do like as an introvert. Well, I really appreciated how many times as well in the book you talk about um, that naps are okay. Yes. <laughs> and I know that's something I've often shared um, as well on Instagram is, and even in, through this podcast, that 
you know, sometimes that is actually the thing we need to do. It's the restorative thing. Um, a few weeks ago, I was at an online virtual leadership conference. Um, my husband and I were watching together called the Global Leadership Summit. And it's a two-day event all day long. And they have just some of the most powerful speakers back to back to back. And sort of your mind is blown processing all this information. By the time the last speaker came on, um, I was, I ended up laying down as I watched it and I just fell asleep. And as we were driving home, we were watching um, at a friend's house. I said to my husband, I think my body just had enough. Like, I think mm -hmm. it just couldn't take any more information. Yeah. And I, I've often found, found that while I'm at various conferences or things like that, it's so good, but it's so much coming at you at once that yeah. um, one of my favorite things to do is actually to, uh, I led a half day retreat once with some women where we had some worship, a talk, and then everybody went out for an hour in silence. Yeah. And it was just this chance to really spend time with God and have everything kind of like, and that was for me the way I like to process, like just to have that time of letting something really sink in. And that's, that's a challenge in our world today to have the, that space and solitude. And how have you learned to carve out times of solitude? in reflection in your life yeah well you know what's happening there is that net that we just talked about is full and so solitude gives us the time and space to empty our net a little bit so we're ready to take in more so i have found that i need to be outside i go for walks at solitude i do journaling first thing in the morning i do take naps because that not only rests our body, it actually gives our time, our brain time to process. They found our brains process while we're sleeping and introverts need that even more than extroverts. And so just finding those strategies, but I think giving ourselves permission. And I think that in our world today, that is something that introverts can model. It's something that comes a little more naturally to us if we'll allow ourselves to, to do it. Our amazing extrovert friends, you know, have that need for more dopamine. So it's harder for them to do that stillness and reflection. They absolutely can, but it just comes more naturally to us. And so I think in our world today, reflection is something that we need. I quoted a four-star general in the book who was asked what is the biggest leadership problem in our world today and he said a lack of reflection and uh, blaise pascal who's a philosopher centuries ago said that most of our problems come from our inability to sit quietly in our own room so if you think about even faith practices throughout history solitude and silence have historically been a lot bigger part of our walk with God than they are today. You know, even walking into an old cathedral in, in Europe, you know, I went into St. Paul's Cathedral and we immediately lowered our voices, slowed our paces, thought this is a time to reflect. Everyone walking in all of a sudden started acting more like introverts. Wow. Where I go to a church that I love, but when I walk in, it sounds like a rock concert, you know? Yes. And there's a time and place for that. Nothing wrong with it at all. But one reason I want introverts to fully be themselves is because I think there are parts of even our faith practice that are just a little out of balance. So not only do we need that 
to be restored. I think we as the body of Christ need it modeled so that we all feel that permission. Yeah. Well, I love that. I definitely think, you know, there's so much we could talk about in this, about this COVID season. Um, and one of the things was this slowing down. What does this look like? And I remember being out, um, kind of sitting in a grassy field near my house, watching an entire family. I think of like teenage kids go for a jog together. And I was like, I've never seen this in my entire life, but I was watching things happen that had not happened before. And I think for a lot of people, they were discovering, oh, actually this, the pace that I was at before wasn't my best pace. And so my hope is, you know, I know we are all across the map. We're different right now in what's open and what's happening. Um, but there is, I think, this call to cultivate in our lives something that is going to be a regular rhythm of whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, processing, stillness, quiet, um, because the hum of regular life is so loud. And it's just that um, the media stream and all of those things that we often seek out. And actually, you do write as well about the idea that um, social media as well can be a drain on our energy. And it, it feels passive. Like it feels like, oh, I could be laying on my couch and just scrolling that that shouldn't exhaust me. But those things, especially for an introvert, really can, they can really draw from our energy. And so sometimes it is that, what does it look like to put down the phone and just go for a walk or, you know, find something. And I know, I know it's challenging again, based on where people live and, and their life stage. Uh, there was a point a few years ago where I realized if I was going to get out of the house and go for a walk, it just had to be in the morning because I couldn't, you know, bank on going in the evening um, by the time my husband got home, having the kids and stuff like that. But um, carving out those times and you say like alone time really is a need. So it's not mm -hmm. even a luxury. I think that's part of it is this in our world, we can get this mindset of go, go, go busyness, tiredness, right? All of those badges um, and then live from that place of depletion instead of that place of really overflow. Yeah, I encourage people to either schedule time for solitude, actually put it on the calendar like a meeting or if they're in a season where that's really challenging, which happens, then one little practice I love is Joanna Gaines, you know, who has a television show, all kinds of businesses and probably one of the world's busiest women she says that as an introvert she just sits in her car for five minutes before she goes into a new event and that's her scheduling solitude yeah. you know and so it may be locking yourself in the bathroom for five minutes if you have toddlers running through your house all the time or you know so it can look like either blocking it on your calendar or just saying okay i'm gonna have this little rhythm or ritual that just lets me catch my breath for a few minutes kind of interrupts that pace that you said yeah and i really feel right now especially for um the moms of little kids or the moms of um kids that are homeschooling that aren't going back yeah. because i my kids are going back to school and i've i love them being home this has been so great but i'm also so excited <laughs> um, to have these little pockets of time just to breathe, you know, like those that I can count on. And so, you know, for the, the moms listening who feel like I don't have that time, um, 
I would say for me, the biggest thing that I had to do was I had to seek it out. I had to carve it out. And I actually gave up my, um, I, I swapped errand time. So I used to go run these errands. Like I'd go to the gap or old Navy or something. Cause I saw an email that said there was a sale and I would go just shopping and doing things I didn't actually need to do. So I began to swap out those times for going for a walk near my house, maybe sitting quietly in a coffee shop or things that um, would actually care for my soul. And so I, I was stuck in that place of um, frustration and blame on my circumstances that I couldn't leave the house with my kids or I, you know, my husband was home late or whatever it might be. And I just had to get really creative um, and figure out what were the things that were going to care for my soul. And so for those moms, especially who are feeling like I'm really discouraged that I'm homeschooling again, or um, it's been a really hard season just to say that I um, see you in that and wonder if there's ways you can, again, find something creative. Uh, I know I've done some swaps with other moms um, with kids just to kind of get that breather. Um, and I know for some, they can have this idea of mom guilt, or I should be able to do this, or I shouldn't ask for help. Um, but I know as I have done things that are care for me, um, it's helped me to be a better mother, friend, wife, all of those things. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my encouragement for some people that have really struggled in this. Yeah, I like to say that solitude isn't selfish. It's a sacred act of service because it will empower us to love and serve well for a lifetime, especially for introverts. Yeah. And so you are by yourself, but you are not doing it for yourself. You're doing it so you can be the best for the people in your life. Well, that's so good. Um, one of the things you had mentioned is that, um, you know, introversion isn't shyness. It isn't, you know, being antisocial, but there is this, um, such a strong desire for being alone. Um, but that can also tip into loneliness and kind of more of an isolation. And so what would you say to the woman who feels like, oh, sometimes I do actually swing too far this way? Yeah, well, I think distinguishing between those two is important, you know, because God made all of creation and declared it's good. And then the first thing he says isn't good. He said, it isn't good for man to be alone. And so I thought, uh oh, does that mean I'm not supposed to take time alone? And I looked at the original meaning of the word, and it actually means living in separation and isolation. So it has nothing to do with physical space. It's about living in isolation from a soul perspective, where we're just not connected. And so first knowing that, so if anyone feels that way, knowing it is okay to take that time. But I think there can be seasons. Maybe we've moved. Maybe we have a tiny baby. Maybe we've been hurt in relationships and we've pulled back. Just knowing that's a normal part of the human experience. Loneliness is a universal emotion. And if someone's in that place today, I think it's just saying, okay, how do I take one small step toward reconnecting? because it can feel overwhelming if we're in that space. So that might be sending one text, <laughs> setting up one Zoom call or lunch with a friend. If even that feels terrifying, maybe the first person you connect with is a counselor. I've gone to counseling many times and I plan to go back in the future whenever I need to. So if 
if there is some healing that needs to happen, then that can be a starting place. And I think it's really beautiful. Another part of the brain science is that we have levels of these two chemicals, oxytocin and vasopressin, which kind of regulate how much time we need with other people and how much time we need alone. And so we are designed for connection to operate like hunger and thirst. We know when we need more time with people and we know when we need time on our own. What happens is we, like we do with food a lot, we ignore those and we either have too much or too little. And so another first step can just be starting to listen to that and to honor it. That whatever your system is telling you is okay and go from there. And so if that your system is telling you today, you know what, I need to connect with someone, then honor that and take one small step. If your system is saying, I've had too much, then honor that. And like you were saying, find a creative way for even five minutes of time on your own. So it's individual for each of us. There's no formula. When I look at scripture, there is no mandate when it comes to quantity of relationships in our lives. I used to think the more people in my life equals I'm a more loving person, but that is nowhere in scripture. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, and it says things like love is patient, love is kind. And those are verbs, you know, that we live out with whoever is in front of us in that moment. It might be one person, it might be a thousand. But there's nowhere that God says the more people you have in your life, the more loving a person you are. And I think that's something that especially introverts can wrestle with. And so setting that down and saying, I'm going to focus on quality over quantity. Our world pushes us toward quantity in relationships, get more likes, get more followers, connect with more people. But I think on a soul level, we are designed for quality. And the research now shows that a person with one close friend is often less lonely than someone with a broad network of acquaintances. And so I think just using some of that solitude to reflect a little bit and say, where am I at with the connections in my life? And what do I want more of? What do I want less of? And knowing that we all go through seasons where that feels a little bit off and that's okay. We just can continue taking those small steps until we think, okay, this is, this is a good fit for me in this area. Well, I love all that you shared there because I feel like there was so much um, grace in it and also again so much permission and even just that idea of we we all go through these seasons of loneliness and even friendship transitions um, and that we can't take our cues from what we see um, in the media what we see out there what the world is kind of telling is going to satisfy um, so I really appreciate that um, you do talk a bit in the book about um, and I know you've already touched on this a bit with um, anxiety and depression and um, would you dive into that a little bit more just sharing why sort of introverts can um, struggle with some of these things a little bit more and how we can almost be more self-aware of when those things are kind of on the verge yeah I think that just yeah that self-awareness is so important and that has been part of my journey anxiety and depression are something i've battled in the past and that used to be something that i felt a little bit of shame to talk about and i don't anymore because i realize now it's just part of my wiring it's just a vulnerability that i have and i felt like one day i was 
praying about it. And God was like, if you are on a battlefield and someone is shooting at you, what does that mean? I was like, I'm a warrior. <laughs> I was the, oh, I'm a warrior. Like that's all that means. So if someone listening struggles with anxiety or depression, making that mental shift from this is weakness to this means I am a warrior. And so if someone is still fighting those things, then that is winning. Even if fighting just means you managed to get out of bed that day or take one small step forward. And so I think just noticing for me, I can tell when I start feeling exhausted a lot, when I'm not as interested in the things that usually bring me joy, when I'm withdrawing, not because I need solitude, but because I'm walling myself off from other people. If I have a really loud inner critic in my mind, all of those to me are signs that, okay, depression and anxiety are knocking on my door again. And that means I tell people, I tell my husband, I tell my friends, I tell my family and say, you know what, I'm, I'm all right, but I can see the edge of the cliff and I need some extra support and prayer. You know, again, I'll go back to counseling. I look at practical things like, am I sleeping enough? How am I eating? Because even what we put into our bodies really affects that for us as introverts. We're more sensitive to what we eat and drink. Um, we need to move our bodies. So if I've missed out on moving my body for a few days in a row, I can feel it. And so I think one helpful thing, because introverts are usually fairly self-aware, is writing down what makes me feel my best and what makes me feel my worst and trying to use that as a filter for making decisions so that we do move toward that healthy side of the spectrum and kind of stay further away from that depression and anxiety. Well, I love to use the terminology of standing at the cliff because that's often how I've felt with it as well. And it's almost like, um, I mean, it's especially for me, the depression piece where um, I think also being an Enneagram 4, I've really paid attention to ways in which um, I don't just want to crawl back into bed, but I want to like pull the covers over and get cozy and like almost like the blanket of depression can feel so almost comforting because it's familiar and um, and it actually feels like a fight to not go down that cliff, not go down that pit. And finding those same similar things that you were talking about, um, having regular exercise, regular time of solitude. Like the, for me, it's the, that walking is time to pray and reflect and, um, and then also having times of connection, right? Like having uh, coffee with a friend. Um, I know, especially in the more extreme lockdown times, it was a, a Zoom coffee or something like that. And walking away from those times being like, oh, okay. You know, and even for me, um, my hormones play a big role, paying attention to those as well. And even charting those things. Cause there's usually one day a month where I believe the world is going to end. <laughs> um, and me so, too. you know, paying attention to all of those things. And again, not necessarily viewing it as these are all of my weaknesses or these are all of the, you know, the things that are stopping me, but how can I, how can I even, um, just know how to kind of flow with them. And so there may be, wise ways in which to um, plan certain things. I love the way you talked about that idea of, you know, needing to meet with people almost like that hunger and thirst. 
And I've had that before where I've gone, I've, you know, almost sometimes viewed it as these, um, these cups or these jars that can feel really depleted and empty. And, and um, I've had times where I've said to my husband, I feel like I'm just, I'm just filling up to empty. I'm not even going, you know, above that. And, uh, and maybe it does seem as simple as getting more sleep, which isn't always simple and, you know, in various stages um, or eating well or things like that. But I love your encouragement to write down a list, pay attention. And, and sometimes for me, I even look back at, oh, this is what I've been doing over the last few weeks or month. And I haven't even realized, oh, I've actually been quite taxed. There is, you know, sometimes yeah. there is a reason that these things have happened. And so, um, cause I can just say something's wrong with me that I'm not keeping up with all of these people or I'm, um, so I definitely appreciate what you were saying there in terms of, um, just being at that edge. And, um, one thing I've been really aware of or really wanting to encourage people in as we, um, as we do go into the winter, um, and we don't know what is ahead of us, um, with COVID and all those things to be thinking now, what are things we could implement in our lives, regular healthier eating routines, regular movement, so that we don't have to um, try and start those from a harder place weather-wise, yeah. um, kind of you know getting into that um, pit. And then the other thing you shared, I think is so um, brilliant that people may uh, not think about, because it seems so simple. It's just that you tell people, you know, and we, um, and you, ha- you listed the people that you have, that you, that you tell. And so who are the people we have in our lives that we can be really honest with and say, Hey, again, there's no shame in this. This is how I'm feeling right now. And so I even found that this summer I was saying to my husband, I'm exhausted. Like I've been feeling, I'm actually feeling physically tired. I've been feeling weary from these things. And so, you know, he just said to me at one point, um, tell me if there's a night where you want to go to bed early and I will take care of the kids. And it was this, I almost started weeping. (laughs) That is the nice thing. Um, You know, he often puts the kids to bed, but they can, they'll come find me. Um, So, you know, being able to have that honest conversation with him, he was able to help make a plan. Like, how can we get you more sleep? How can we um, take care of those things? And I know um, there is a lot of shame for people when it comes to anxiety and depression. And so we can actually keep that to ourselves instead of, bringing others into um, where we're at. Yeah, and I think when we share, we give other people permission to not be okay too. And so I call it the courage to go first. Yeah. You know, sometimes someone really needs to say something, but they're afraid to be the first to say it. And once you do, then they're free to share also. And I think all of us is humanity. I mean, I think the last I heard was the percentage of people in the U.S. with clinical levels of anxiety and depression is now in the 40s. It's normally under 10 because of COVID and all that we're experiencing. And I think our systems have been in fight or flight mode for months now, and they're not designed for that. That's like emergency backup. It is the highest fuel-consuming part of our brains and nervous systems. And so if people are feeling more exhausted, you are, I am, it's because we are burning more mental and emotional and social fuel than normal. 
And so if you take that into account, then our everyday lives are going to feel more draining because we're sort of coming at them already with our resources being depleted in a way they normally aren't. And so just knowing that is, that is where all of humanity is right now. And it's okay. We're going to make it through this, but it's all right if we are more tired than usual and to take that into account. And like you said, go to bed early or whatever we can manage in our daily lives. Even if that's just remembering to speak kindly to ourselves Mm -hmm. and be a little more gentle than usual. I, I have a very loud inner critic and I have to remind myself of that a lot lately. It's just talk to yourself the way you would talk to someone you love because we all have more demands than usual on us right now. And that's challenging. I heard somebody share recently, whatever level of grace you've been giving yourself, it's not enough. It needs to be more and more. (laughs) Just again, just the reality of this season. And just because we've become more used to it, we can feel like, oh, we should be okay and adaptable. But like you said, it is so, so, so taxing. I really appreciated that you shared um, even um, master chess players and how much, how many calories they burn um, just with their brains. And so um, just some of those hidden ways in which we are being taxed. Um, I would really strongly encourage people to go pre-order this book right now as we're coming to a close. Um, you can look up Holly, her, it's H-O-L-L-E-Y, Girth, um, on Amazon, The Powerful Purpose of Introverts, Why the World Needs You to Be You. And Holly, where else can people find you? Well, I would love for them to stop by my site, hollygirth.com. And I was paid for this, so hollygirth.com slash introvert. And on that page, there are over $75 of pre-order bonuses that you can get if you get the book before it comes out, including a new course called Seven Ways to Thrive as an Introvert that I'm getting great feedback from. I have hundreds of people going through it right now saying it's changing the way they see themselves, it's helping their marriages. So that's a really fun thing. And again, that little quiz, if you want to know in one minute how much introvert you have in you, that's over there too. And the book comes out September 15th. So this podcast will air before then. So people do have time. Um, but just let you know, and if you are listening after September 15th, of course, you can just go pre-order the book and Amazon will do its thing and get it right to your doorstep. Yes. Um, Holly, I love getting to know you. And um, this, is, this is a great resource. There is so much packed in here. And so thank you for taking the time to um, write these words and to do all of that research. I know this really is going to be a transforming transformational tool for so many women and men who read it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram, where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.